Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. confess my mind is alert my heart is receptive i will never be the same i'm about to receive the indestructible <laughs> incorruptible indestructible ever living seed of the word of god i will never be the same never 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 i will never be the same in jesus name amen we're going to go back we're going back to the middle ready one two three i'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Father. We praise you. We thank you for your Word, your Word. I pray that this morning as we minister your Word, that the Holy Spirit would come upon those that hear it, Father. We thank you for it. I pray that I would be an instrument in your hand and that we would truly never be the same because your Word renews our mind and washes our spirit. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I've only been doing that going on eight years every Sunday. So, <laughs> actually more. It's been, when I was at Faith Family, it's been, uh, that was 2012, so 11 years. So it's my first time. It's all your fault because you guys weren't really, you know, getting involved or whatever, but just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Yeah, blaming, blaming. Power of unity. So this is kind of uh, 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 like I did a few, like a month ago, I took a series and then at the end of the series I preached a message that seemed to be separate from that series, but what it did was it brought that series together. So we've been uh, ministering before last week when I taught on Thanksgiving, uh, we uh, have been ministering about being part of the crew or being part of the crowd. How many of you remember that? And if you weren't here, then you need to go back and listen to it. But today is the power of unity or commit to unity. The power of unity. John 17, verses 20 through 23. It says, my prayer is not for them alone. Now, this is Jesus praying. You know, in Matthew, uh, uh, it, it, we have in the Sermon on the Mount, we have the, the, what, they, what we call the Lord's Prayer. That's really our prayer. He's teaching us how to pray. This, I believe, is the Lord's Prayer because this is him praying. And he prays for himself, then he prays for his disciples, and then he prays for all believers everywhere. So here he is praying in, in John 17, 20 through 23. It says, I, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be what? One. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be, here it is again, one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity, then, then the world will know that you sent me and I have loved them even as you have loved me. You know, we talk about the love of God and how we need to love each other and how we need to love those in the world. How do we need to love the lost? We talk about it being the most important thing, which the, the scriptures do teach us that. But how do we reflect that by our own unity? We, we, sometimes we say that, uh, uh, I've heard said, that in Christianity, we're one of the, the few uh, armies, if you want to call us that, that will leave their, their hurt behind. If someone doesn't behave like us, or they don't act like us, or they don't uh, say the same things that we, uh, we do, or they don't use the same Christianese type language as we do, or, they, or they've been a Christian a long time, and they should have been ahead of, and they, you know, and they believe something that we don't, and, we, and what do we do? Well, then you're not part of us. Uh, I had the opportunity of being part of a pastor's prayer group for many years in uh, eastern, uh, in Daytona Beach. And uh, we had uh, the honor, and, and it was just a great time because I got to stand, and, and it was funny because we would all gather, and we had Catholic priests, we had Lutheran priests, we had uh, uh, Episcopalian, 
I'm still very close friend with an Episcopalian, uh, uh, what they would call a deacon, almost a, a, you know, a, a pastor or a reverend. And, um, and we gather with all different kinds of people. And whenever we, we would gather as a whole, all the pastors would pray for the community. It was awesome. And then we would say, we're going to break up into smaller groups and pray for the needs of each one or their you know, prospective churches. So we would split up, and I would wait. <laughs> and they would all split up, and you see the Assemblies of God back there because they're going to pray in tongues. And then we see you know, the Baptists over here because they're closer to God, and they're going to get, you know, they're going to get their prayer through before we do. And, and then the Presbyterians over here. And, you know, and I'm like, what is going on? So I went and found all the clerical collars. The Catholics, and you know, they all wear. I went and, and went with them. I said, I'm going to go pray with them. And I, I'll never forget this. I was standing next to this gentleman, um, and we were praying. He was really tall, and he said, Lord, we come before you today. And it'd be a long pause. And right at the beginning, my first thought was, oh, man, I should have went with the assemblies or something, you know, or the Pentecostals. This, I'm going to fall over here, you know. And in my head, I'm thinking these things, and, man, conviction came over me so strongly. And I shut my mouth, and I began to listen to his prayer. And the presence of God was so strong, my knees began to buckle. And he continued to pray this way. And it wasn't the way that we normally pray. He wasn't praying in tongues. He wasn't getting loud. He, wasn't, he was just talking to God. And I didn't know what to do. When it was all over, I looked up at him and I said, you know God. <laughs> That's all. I didn't know what to say to the man. And then I realized that we are so separated. And I got to meet with these men and we started talking about different things. And they always ask you what denomination, you're non, non-denominational, which is really a denomination. So, you know, non-denom is, a, if, you're, if you say that, then everybody, the, the only way you can be non-denominational is if you're the only one and that's usually a cult. So... Uh, so I'm standing there with these men, right? And, and we're talking and everything else. And, and uh, it, something came up. I don't remember what it was. And it was something that we were, we were not in agreement of. And I said, listen, forget that. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Part of the Trinity? Born of a virgin? Died in, on a cross? Resurrected three days later? And he is our Savior? Yes. Then let's focus on what we agree on. I became friends with these men. And I believe, I've met some, some Catholics and some others that are outside of you know, what we believe, the way that we believe church should be done or whatever. We, I've met some people that uh, uh, are more godly than some of the people I know inside our own church. Not you guys, but you know, other people. But God is looking for, for us to be unified, and that's how the world is going to know. I think there's a time coming, and, and I, I said this a couple of weeks ago that in my prayer time and, and fasting that I, I've been really hearing from God about uh, the anointing being upon the word. We've had some uh, movements. We've had some waves of different things, the Pentecostal movement. We've had the discipleship movement. We've had uh, all kinds of things where it, it was all about worship, and then it was all about, and we've had all these things happen, and I believe that the, the word is always the most important thing. It is our foundation right? But there's an anointing now upon the word again. I think there's, there's a need for the church to grow and to learn and to be ready. It, we keep saying that we're getting ready to go to heaven, right? I want to receive Jesus. I want to go to heaven one day and woohoo, and I'm going to spend eternity with God. And, and we've taught that and that's not really necessarily true. We should be preparing the church for the millennial reign because that's what's going to happen. We're going to go and come back and reign here. We think we're going to go up there in the by and by and, you know, and, and tiptoe through the tulips and, and, you know, we're going to have a feast and everything's going to be hoo-hoo. Yeah, but we're, go- we're coming back. And the Lord's been speaking to me about preparing the church for what's about to happen. We're not prepared. And that's not a negative thing. That's a lights on, let's do something about it thing, right? So let, let me continue here uh, after reading John 17. It says, uh, uh, I was... <laughs> Thinking about how to convey this, I said, if you have kids, you know how, how that is, right? They fight, they argue. Uh, you know, if they're really small, they'll come running into the room. My sister, touch me. They're breathing on me, right? Or when you're on a long trip. We used to take long trips. Back before they had TVs in cars, 
uh, I bought a, a transformer and plugged it into our cigarette lighter thing. Remember those? And we put that in, and I connected that to the TV. Now, we could only run. We had a little TV with a VHS in the bottom. It was about this big. And we put a little box. And we had a van, and, uh, and we put the, the TV on the box. And then we could run like a, a movie, maybe an hour and a half or so. And then we'd have to give it a break because the transformer would get too hot. <laughs> and the carpet would get hot. I don't want to end up starting a fire inside the van with our kids here. But we would do that, right? We'd be going, and they, oh, they won't let me watch this. I want to watch that. And they slap each other or touch each other or whatever, and they start yelling. And what do you say? Don't make me pull over. Don't make me come back there. All right? With the free hand, you start reaching back. All right? And if you're Puerto Rican, then you pull off the chancleta. And you, right? Right? Come on. Right? From 50 feet away, man, grandma can go, and hit you with it. <laughs> they should play frisbee golf. They're incredible. Yeah, then come back and put it back on while making pastele. <laughs> I think we've gotten to a point where God's saying, Don't make me come back there. Don't make me pull over. Oh, I know. I know. We were having so much fun. Imagine how the heart of, of God the Father feels seeing us, the, the church, so divided. We are the body of Christ and we're dismembered. That's why when we have communion, I always say, this is to remember the body, right? To remember because we've been dismembered. I'm going to tell you a story. This is an actual true story. Okay, it's going to sound absolutely ridiculous, but they did not make this up. This actually happened in Greeley, Colorado. Church split over the spelling of hallelujah. A little Jewish praise word caused a lot of controversy as a Colorado church divided over the proper spelling of hallelujah, H and J, split up and reformed as separate congregations. The problem arose when the board of elders at the full gospel temple budgeted money for a praise banner to hang for the sanctuary ceiling bearing the word hallelujah or alleluia. Right? No H, no J on the, on the second one. One faction insisted the word be spelled the first way while the other wouldn't budge from the second way. Petitions were drawn up, rallies held, late-night threats received by both sides. One man, an Alleluia supporter, was nearly clobbered by a rock that came through his window. The rock bore the note that simply said, Hallelujah. Both sides were adamant that since they had grown up with a particular spelling, theirs was correct. It makes a tremendous difference when you open your eyes and see there on that banner, spelled wrong, said the hallelujah supporter. It's so jarring to see it without the H at the beginning. Nobody spells it that way anymore. I was so sick about it, I couldn't even sleep, said Evelyn Haney at 57 years old. An equally ardent hallelujah supporter who carried a sign during the recent day of picketing. At least they were united on either side. To think some people spell this word with a J in it. It's not something where I question their salvation, but at times you have to wonder. The two churches now meet in separate school auditoriums, and each has a fashioned a banner to suit its own preference. Worship says one parishioner is so much better now. Sounds ridiculous, right? Sounds like they're in the back seat going, he texts me, he breathed on me, he doesn't want to watch this. That's what it sounds like. What is God saying to his children while this is going on? Don't make me come back there. <laughs> what we need in the church right now is a spirit of unity. 
If we could unify the church, we could do anything. I think God said it in the Old Testament with the Tower of Babel. They're in such unity that i got to split them up because they might accomplish this thing because they have one focus, one mind. The spirit of unity has, we need to know that it has one enemy. Together as a church, we have one enemy. We only have one. Your enemy is not the person sitting next to you. Don't nudge them. Don't pinch them. Don't. It's not your spouse. Not your children, your boss, your pastor, your church, the church down the street. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this darkness, dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, I can't read that without... Uh, 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 you know, when we talked about position, power, and authority, um, we talked about how when Paul wrote this to the, to the church in Ephesus, how it's all one book. So when he talks about these, these spirits, right, a struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this darkness, uh, a dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil. It sounds like these things are so awesome and powerful and great. But see, he's... He's describing these demonic-type spirits this way because he's already told you in Ephesians chapter 1 through 3 that we have authority over these things. So no matter how big you make them, we are in authority over them. They are under our feet, right? So even though he says these things, yes, but we have one enemy. If we could unite together to go against the one enemy, we, would, we wouldn't have all the issues that we have today. We need to have one heart. We're talking about unity, not uniformity. There's a difference. You know, going back to, to uh, uh, the crew and the, uh, the crowd, Peter was fishing all night already. He was the fisherman. He knew what he was doing. So he's fishing all night already. And Jesus comes around and says, in one version, it says, throw it in the deep end. And the other one says, throw it on the other side or go out deeper, right? Either way, he tells him to do something different than what he was doing. The preacher, the carpenter, telling the fisherman what to do. And he tells him, and what does Peter respond? Look, we've been fishing all night. We know what we're doing. But because you said so. Because you said so. Because you said so. Because you said so. He said, okay, then I'll do it. And he did, and he had so much fish. And what did he have to do? He had to unify the fishermen. You know, a, a fishing business is, is competitive. There's other fishermen, other boats. And, and he, instead of trying to get everything, he said, hey, I need help. And what did he do? He unified those other fishermen around him, and they all got the catch. He could have said, we're going to just let some of these go, let them catch their own. And brought in what he was able to. But they got a much bigger catch because they were unified. We don't have to have the same worship style as the church down the street. We don't have to use the same translation of the Bible. I've had people come here. Uh, we had one uh, particular person come here for a while. This was years ago. And uh, they came from the Baptist church. And uh, they love the word here. I love the word. The word here is so good. And, and, you know, I've never heard things preached the way that you preach them. And, and some of the things that have been said. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm honored. Thank you very much. But it's really the Lord that does it through his word and, and all that. And, you know, in the midst of, usually when they're telling you all that, they're setting you up for something, right? So, yeah, they pick you up and, and then they drop you. So the higher you are, the, the harder you fall. So the person turned around and said, but you guys need to do more hymns. And, yeah, and I told her, I said, listen, I don't have a problem with hymns. I sometimes listen to hymns. I have a book in there in my office, and it talks about all the writers of these hymns and where they were and what they were going through while writing some of these hymns. It is well with my soul, written while a ship was going down after losing his wife to sickness. I don't know about you, but I'd be trying to swim. He's writing a song. Some of these, if you look at where these people were, you realize, and <laughs> do you know where hymns come from? They were old Irish bar songs. 
That's where they originated from. When the hymns first came out, the churches were going, look at them. They're singing hymns. They're singing like the Irish, you know, bar songs over there. And they picked on hymns. We sing hymns now, and they're like, you know, why are we singing that? We need, we got so much good, you know, Christian music now. But some churches, they sing hymns, and they're powerful. Sometimes we add, if you've ever noticed, if you know your hymns, at the end of a song, we'll add, you know, a verse of a hymn, or we'll add a bridge of a hymn on the end of a song uh, because it goes with it or it, it seems to fit. But this person kept asking for hymns, and I said, listen, there's nothing wrong with hymns, just like there's nothing wrong with Chinese food. I like Chinese food. But I don't go to Domino's Pizza to eat Chinese food. There's nothing wrong with pizza. They just don't serve Chinese food. They're both, I was going to say nourishing, but they're probably, they're both <laughs> artery cloggers. They're both, right? They're both, they're both good, right? I, lo I love Chinese. I could live in, in, in the Orient, in Asia, any kind of, you know, Korean, Vietnamese, uh, uh, you name it. Thailand, I love all that food. But um, you don't go to one place to get another. It's just, that's not, and there's nothing wrong with them serving Chinese food if, they're Chin if there's a Chinese restaurant, right? But it's still food. It's the same thing. We're, we're, not, we're in unity. We don't need, necessarily need to be in uniformity. What we do is we argue over these things. And we separate ourselves over our worship styles, over our preaching styles, over, you know, when I go minister up in, in South Carolina, I, I, I uh, go up there to Pastor Sean's church. I use his church as an example a lot because it's very different from ours. He's ministered here, those of you who have been part of that, those services. There are always services that, that redirect our church or give a, a word. He's, they, they just move, him and his wife move in the spirit quite a bit. And when I go up there, I wear a three-piece suit. I don't wear jeans. Lately, I've been wearing these sport coats because... You know, you should wear my shirt out, and, and uh, I've been changing it up a little bit. But uh, uh, Dave, where's Dave? Dave's, he's, he invites people. I hope you didn't tell your friends. He invites people to church. He says, oh, my pastor's cool. He wears skinny pants. It's like there's nothing skinny about any of the pants I wear because I'm not skinny. <laughs> so, right? Now they got painted on, right? Or even skinnier than skinny. I don't know how you put on a skinnier than skinny pants. But... So you have these different. So when I go up there, I wear I wear a suit, tie. I mean, I dress up because that's the way they do their church. And out of respect for who they are, I do that for them because I'm in their house. But we both believe the same thing. He's on my board. He oversees our ministry together with Pastor Fred. They're on our board, but yet very different. Uh, the Rock Church where we used to be, and 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 Pastor Fred being my pastor and on my board. Uh, he's, they're very, they were very prophetic. They moved in, in the spirit of prophecy a lot. So when I left, I was like, I wonder if that's what the Lord. So I prayed about it, and the Lord says, no, I'm going to call you to do what you need to do. So I filled my own shoes. My, my pastor Fred says, uh, you know, I'm an apple tree. You're a mango tree. Just give mangoes. That's what he told me. So here I am giving my mangoes. <laughs> we need to agree on the essentials, but not the non-essentials. We can help ourselves. The main essential is love. We need to love each other. It is the bond of perfection. In Acts, we're talking about one heart. Acts chapter 4, verses 32 and then 34 says, all the believers were in one, were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. 34 that there were no need, needy persons among them. This is, this is just meeting the needs of the people in the church. But imagine if we were always like that. You know, one of the things, there's a responsibility that comes with, with being rich. I'm talking like financially. I'm, I'm a rich man. Not because I have financial richness, but because... I have a beautiful wife I've been married to for 33 years. I've got three amazing kids, four awesome grandchildren. I have a beautiful home I live in. Uh, you know, I'm provided for by the Lord. I'm rich. You look at my bank account, you'd think otherwise. But, <laughs> but I consider myself a rich man. But according to uh, uh, the standards here in the U.S., richness is determined by how much money you have. 
But see, in the kingdom, having a lot of money is having a lot of responsibility. Because when you have a lot, you should be giving a lot, right? And I'm not saying that to, to get you to, when you find a need, you should meet that need. If you're able to, you should. Because the blessings now, I, 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 we have a retirement account and, and you know, we, we put money away and we do all those things. So I'm not saying that you need to do that, to give from those things. But my, my saying is, uh, you can have anything out of my cupboard, just don't take anything off my table. Right? You can have food from my pantry. Just don't take the food off my table. Because that's ours. We eat that. But in my, if I have extra, then you can have whatever you want. Because I have extra to be able to give. We need to have one heart as they did in these times in, in the book of Acts. If you read through the whole book of Acts, which we're covering, we're already up to like chapter 20, uh, 21, 22 in uh, Wednesday nights which begins again this Wednesday, by the way. Um, you can join us. It's been really awesome watching the church and how it grows and, and the things that happen. Uh, and, and it's been helping me uh, get direction for even next year as we head into 2024. So together we are stronger. They shared everything they had. They were a community. The next one is one purpose, right? One enemy one heart, one purpose. We cannot forget we exist as a church. Why do we exist as a church? For the lost. That is the number one, you know, our vision. Know God. We want people to know God. We want them to find freedom. We want them to discover purpose, and we want them to make a difference. That's all about knowing God. You know, and, and then we have the wide church on the bottom there. It's part, also part of our vision is uh, community, harvest unto him, restoration, community, and home. Communion and home. And the H is second. And if I could spell church differently, it would have been first. But I can't. It comes in second. But the harvest should be number one. And we've lost sight of that so much. The church, its purpose is here. It is the platform for the gospel. And we've gotten so far away from preaching the gospel. I try to fit it into everything that I minister. I try to teach it into everything that God loves you just like you are. He'll accept you right where you're at. You know, I've heard people say, I don't come to church. I got some things to fix. You got it backwards. You got it backwards. And then we got to get the church to be accepting. I didn't say tolerant. I said accepting of these people even in the midst of their sin. Because here's where they're going to hear the word. Here's where they're going to renew their mind. Here's where things are going to begin to change. Because they want to, not because they, thank you, they have to. It's a whole different thing. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, the Living Bible says, Now I exhort you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all say the same thing, and there not be divisions among you, and that you be made complete in the same mind with the same purpose. We've lost our purpose. If we could get all the churches together, I had a, I'm going to share something, and, and I had this vision weeks ago, and uh, I, I think I mentioned it. I mentioned it to somebody in the church. I can't remember. But it was kind of like, you ever been like half asleep and half awake and have a vision? That happens to me a lot. I have more of those than I do actual dreams when I'm completely sleeping. Uh, don't ask the Lord to give me a dream to pray for you because normally that I'm not going to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and pray. That's my wife. So ask the Lord to give her a dream. Uh, I have my visions when I'm sitting in my recliner half asleep, half awake. And uh, I had this, this vision. It was so clear. It was almost as if it was happening. It was incredible. I was like, when I came out of the, it was almost like a trance. When I came out of it, I was upset that I wasn't, that it wasn't happening. And now I'm like, Lord, I need your help because I don't know how to make this come to pass. We have a stadium here, a baseball stadium from Stetson. You guys know what I'm talking about in the middle of the land. And we had gathered the churches of our community together, and we had had a service there. And, and I don't remember what happened in the service, but there was different songs and different things going on. And then we ministered the word, and people started coming out of the stands in that state. I've never been in the stadium, but after I had that vision, I drove down that one street, and I looked through the fence 
to see what, what I was seeing, you know, if it was real. And it was. It looked just like it was in my vision. And, and the people were coming down and giving their lives to the Lord. And we had set up tents around the outside. And there were different tents of different churches. And we were letting the people decide what church they were going to go to now that they were saved. That's what's missing from evangelistic type meetings is that we get them saved and we never plug them in anywhere. They never get discipled. They leave their home going to heaven one day and then nothing ever changes. And then they don't go and do the work of the ministry. That's what the church is for. And the pastor's responsibility to teach the people, get them ready for the work of the ministry. So we had all these, and I saw them, and, and people were going into different tents and going to different places. And the churches were growing, all different kinds of churches. Instead of saying, don't go over there, they believe, they don't believe, like, yeah, don't go over there. They, you know, we pray in tongues, so they, they need to come over here because, woohoo, we got the spirit, right? You want to, one of the things that the, the Baptists have really uh, uh, been great at is discipleship. It's one of the denominations that has taken that on. Uh, once people get saved, they put them through classes. They put them, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty stringent what they do, but my wife was raised Southern Baptist, and she's been in Bible school since she could read. The question now is, how do we get there? We have one enemy, one heart, one purpose. The question is, how do we get to this type of unity that we could uh, uh, win, right? That we could do exactly what the Lord is calling us to do. That we could become part of the crew and not just stay part of the crowd. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort... See, the bond of peace is not trying to get the other person or the other church to convince them that what you're doing is right and what they're doing is wrong. Isn't that the, the, the argument? Isn't that like the, the definition of an argument? You know what we do when we're when, like with our wives? Oh, boy. <laughs> when they're telling you something that you're doing that's bothering them, what, what is, where's your mind as they're telling you this? Your mind is preparing the comeback, the defense. So you're not really listening to what's happening. Don't leave me alone here, people. I'm, you know, come on. Right? <laughs> the husbands are like, that's not me. I'm not looking. And the wives are like, listen to what he's saying. You both do. We both do it. And then you argue and then you walk away and nothing ever gets resolved. We've been doing that with the church. We talk about, you know, all the things that we have different. I said it earlier when I met with the, all these different uh, uh, Catholics and Lutheran and, and the clerical collar past uh, reverends. I, when I met with them, I would always say, I don't want to talk about what we have. In we could find all kinds of things that we don't agree on. But there's something we do agree on, and it is the foundation of what the church should be founded on. The fact that God sent his only begotten son into flesh onto the earth and he died on a cross that we would all believe and be one the body of Christ you know sometimes as preachers we stand in the pulpit and we say we are the body new life the body no we're only a part of the body we're not the body I like to see it this way we say each individual has a part to do in the body, like it, it says in Corinthians, right? We each have a part to do. Where the hand can't be the feet, and the feet, and the hand, and you know, and it talks about the eye. If we were all eyes, we know what good would the hand would be. And it talks about that the body, like a real body. And then we, we look at individuals in the church and we say, we each have a responsibility. But look at it this way: as the body being the church across the whole world, each church right. has a responsibility. Yeah. That's why we're so different. What with the hand, right? If I'm called to be the hand, why are we trying to be the feet? Right. If I'm called to be the eye, that's why churches are different. Right. Because we all have a different calling. Right. The thing is to be able to hear what the Spirit is saying and to know this is the calling of this church. Yeah. And then the, the Lord places a, a five-fold ministry person into that position to do what the Lord wants that church or that piece of the body to do. And then what do we end up? We end up, oh, you're not like us. We're better than you. know. <laughs> I 
My big, the, you ever seen, uh, what's it called, Big Fat Greek Wedding? He said, the man is the head, but I am the neck, and I turn the head any way I want. The wife was telling the husband, because I am the head, you know, in that Greek. And she says, yes, you're the head, but I'm the neck. I turn the head any way I want, right? <laughs> Jesus is the head of the church. We are not the neck. He turns us. We don't turn him. All right? Unstoppable unity. I'm going to call these four levels, and, and we're going to go through these fairly quickly. Unstoppable unity. My prayer is that we would achieve all four levels in our church, in our families, in our business. This works for everything. Uh, you know, Miles Monroe uh, used to do a lot of business conferences. If you didn't know that, he was extremely educated. And uh, he would be invited to these large corporations, 500, Fortune 500 uh, uh, corporations, and he would teach them uh, biblical truths without using the Bible. He would just use them as, you know. And then they would say, oh, why would you get this? And then he would say, oh, you know, it's in the Bible. <laughs> and it works. It really does. One of the things that, that he teaches is that if you're not, if you're only there to pick up a check on Friday and you're not uh, 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 connected to the purpose of that corporation and what they're trying to achieve, then you don't belong there. Because all you do is, is hold them back. And people are starting to realize that, and that's why they say, oh, you know, they got people that now are doing two or three jobs because they found the purpose of the, of the business and they're able to do it. When you're just there for a paycheck, then you just do what, the, what you know, the paycheck is going to give you on Friday. You never do anymore. You never do... Number one, choose to belong. This is big. Choose to belong. This is called commitment. Commit to unify. Commit to be part. Membership has its benefits. We must choose to be committed without a plan B. When you come to the Lord and, you, and you're saved and you give yourself to God, you cannot have a prenup. There is no prenup. It's a covenant, just like marriage is a covenant. But you can't come to God with a prenup. Um, if you got married that way, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not saying anything negative about it. But me personally, I won't ma marry somebody that has a prenup because that's not covenant. Not, they have not given themselves to each other. They're protecting something from the person that they're supposed to trust. Yeah, you can't do that. You're not one. So become a member in the church. And I don't mean just going to class and going to plantings class like we have here. It means committing and being a part. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. You are members of God's very own family. You belong in God's household with every other Christian. I read something on, on I think it was Facebook. It said, if you leave a church, they're not your enemy or something like that. Like if they, leave, if they go to a church down the street, like if somebody leaves here and they go to a church down the street, that person is not your enemy because they're not part of your church anymore. They're still in the body. What we do around here is when somebody says, you know, even if it's negative, they say, you know, I'm tired. I'm, I've heard every, every message you've ever preached. I've had that one. Um, my favorite one was when they gave me a, a, a I was at the door. I used to uh, do what they used to do at Rama and uh, Pastor Hagen used to stand at the door before people left, and he'd have a little bag with candy and give the kids candy and shake hands with everybody. So we used to do that here, um, and then I would stand at the door. So I was standing at the door, and it happened to be my birthday, July 29th. You might want to write that down. So I'm standing, I'm standing at the door, and people are handing me birthday cards. Most of them just said really nice things. So... Uh, I get home, I got a stack of cards, I get home and I relax, I eat something, I sit on my recliner and, and I start to open my cards. And, oh, this is so nice. Oh, look, you know, it's a very encouraging. And, uh, and I'm, I'm reading and I get to this one, happy birthday, it's great, you know, blah, blah, blah. and then on the bottom it said, I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> on my birthday card. That's my favorite one. It's the same person that wanted hymns, by the way. So... <laughs> We love them. But uh, <laughs> we don't like people to leave. We want to send them. So 
when they come and they say, and they come into our office, if they're offended by us, we entreat. Although I owe you nothing, I repay it all. That's what it says in Psalms, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repay it. You're going to get that. You're not going to get a, you're going to get a, right? As pastors, crucified. we're crucified. We all should be, right? So I, I learned, what do you do in a situation like that? He says, you let them put in the last nail. And that's what we do. My wife and I will apologize and we'll make it right. Why? So that they, if they stay, they're no, they're no longer bitter. And if they leave, they're no longer bitter. Our job is not to be right. Our job is to take care of the sheep. And it's hard because most of the time I'm right. <laughs> right? And then we always tell them after we meet with them and say, why don't you come on one more Sunday to, to our church and we'll pray for you. We'll bring you up front. We'll anoint you. We'll let the church know they, they've been called to serve somewhere else, and they're going to go there. And we'll pray. And those that want that, we do that for them. And those that just want to leave, they leave. But I would rather be blessed on my way out. Yeah. Right? I would rather make it right so I don't leave with something in my heart. Choose to belong. We have those plantings classes. We have the newcomer's dinner. You come on Sunday, you come on Wednesday. I want to encourage you all. We have a prayer time before the service here at, uh, at 10 o'clock, from 10 to about 10, 15, 10, 20. We gather, and uh, I'm going to pick on you. Is that okay? You let your pastor pick on you a little bit? I can hear you in the lobby. You should be here praying with me so that I can pray a happy prayer and not, Lord, these people that are in the lobby. No, I wouldn't pray that. Strike them down from heaven. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. But if you're here and it's during our 10 or 15 minute, 20 minute time of prayer, join us in here. Come in and just pray. We're quiet. You don't have to pray out loud. Usually I'm just up here and I'm praying in the spirit and, and I'll pray for the service, for the worship team, for the word. You know, and we've been kind of ministering uh, 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 before the service up here. Join us. Join us in here if you're already here. Choose to belong. To belong means to be part of what we're doing as a church. We got all these opportunities now in December with the toy drive, the, uh, uh, the, the parade. Number two, unstoppable unity. Learn to share. Learn to share. Sharing is caring. Find a life group and share. You can help someone while, while you also are being helped. Acts 2.44, and all the believers met together constantly and shared everything with each other. What did these people in Acts share? Three things. Number one, their homes. Share your home with somebody. When we were able to purchase our home, we I'm telling you, Sometimes people come to our home and they're like, wow, you have such a nice house. You live in such a nice neighborhood. We, we're only there because God provided that in a miraculous way. If I told you the whole story, you'd be like, wow, right? But we open our home whenever we need to. Today, uh, Paula's opening her home for our married group. And I remember when she bought the house and we came over, she says, I was praying that the Lord would give us a house big enough so that we could have meetings here and I could share my home with the church. That's the right attitude to have. That's the right attitude. Acts 2, 246. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. They met every single day. I remember when I first got saved in the, in the late 80s, uh, some of the churches that I only attended, like two churches in Miami, three, some of them met every, they had a service every single day of the week. And I was at every single one of them. I got so radically saved, I just wanted God in my life. Acts 28, 30, for two whole years, this is how the book of Acts comes to an end. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He had a home ministry. People were coming and meeting there. 
He was sharing his home. Share your experiences. Share your story. Sometimes your testimony, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, right? Sometimes sharing your testimony will minister to somebody. The greatest lie that the enemy has told mental ill, Ill people today is that you're the only one. Something's wrong with you. Nobody else is going through what you're going through. No one else is feeling. And he separates us, right? And he separates us. But if we realize we're not the only one, and there are others that have gone through this and that have come out victorious, which we should, that testimony will help. Share our problems. Oh, I don't like doing that. You know, when we have, we used to have a, a, a group in our home here in South Daytona when we were at the Rock Church, and we had to split, we were meeting couples together, and it got so big, we didn't fit in our home anymore, and so we split the group, women and men, and, and one of the things that my wife and I spoke about is that when we go to split the group is, we're not going to let anyone uh, speak ill of their spouse. We're never going to let that happen in our group. So when we did, sure enough, that's what they wanted to do. Can you No. They're not here. We're not going to do that. We're not going to let you do that. And, and they already knew after a few times that they tried that that wasn't going to be allowed because we weren't going to let them throw their spouse under the bus without their spouse being there. But they would share. And I'll never forget, you, some of you may have heard this story before. It was in my wife's uh, cell group, and she's going to tell you that this, it went differently because I, you know, if you're married, you know how that is. You tell a story, and it says that's not how it went, right? But the message is still there. So she had a group of people, and this lady in, that lived in our block, I believe, um, came to the, to the meeting. And I don't know if she was saved or not, but she had a certain way of speaking and talking. And my wife was talking about prayer or something like that. And at the end, my wife, you know, she's pretty bold. She tells her, you, everyone's going to pray. We're going to go around the circle. So different people pray. And if, if anything, just anything, just talk to God. Even if you don't know how, just talk to God. So they get to this lady, and the lady goes, God... You know that my life is, and she used a nice big fat word there. And you know that, and you, and, yeah, beep, beep, right? And I'm sure that some of them were like, oh my God. I can, I can assure you that God was not sitting on his throne going, oh, oh. She was sharing her heart. Because that's what was in there. And my wife asked the group, whose prayer was from the heart? Whose prayer do you think? And they all kind of said, well, the only one that's been really different from the rest of us was her. <laughs> and I think they got it. I think they... She gave her life to the Lord that day. And um, I almost got into a fight with her husband. And it was a bunch of stuff happening there. Ministry, ministry. Now you want to hear that story. If you do come see me afterwards, I'll tell you the story. We're almost out of time. You'll tell him the right story? I'm the one that almost got into a fight with him in the street, so I should know the story. He came after her because she got, and he came up. He, they lived across down the street, and he came, and he was coming to say something to her, and I didn't let that happen. So, yeah, it's a whole nother, right? Our experiences, our problems, you have to do your part. You have to partnership. You want to be, in, in, you know, oh, this is part three. Do your part, partnership. In true relationships, everyone has a role. Unity causes people to work together for the vision and the purpose of the church. If we have an opportunity, we should take it. We never share needs here. So I'm going to share some opportunities before we come to an end here in just a minute. I'm going to share some opportunities. We have an opportunity in the nursery with the babies. Uh, we have a couple of ladies that have been in there, and they're, they're faithful, and they're awesome. But uh, what's happening is that they're in their lot, and we need to uh, uh, you know, relieve some of them so they can be part of what's happening here. We don't like anybody to serve more than once a month. The more people that serve, the, more, uh, uh, you know, the less that they have to be in there. So we have an opportunity in the nursery. I would love to see some of the, let me find the right word, grandmas? Grandma word, is that a good word to use? 
Okay, so grandmas in there would be awesome. They're good with babies and they love, right? Grandmas. Well, we have uh, an opportunity on the worship team. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir and the ones that need to hear this are probably not here. Uh, but there are talents and giftings sitting in our church. Pray that the Lord would lead you to use them. Um, one of the other ones, it's, this one's a little personal to me. Uh, the hospitality team, I didn't ask my wife about this, but we, we could use, we clean the church uh, once, a, once a week. Yeah. So we have, a, 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 we used to have a large group and we could split them up into two, two different teams and, and it was really running great. And uh, so now, uh, and I don't mind doing it. I really don't. I'm not saying this because, uh, you know, any other reason other than there's, a, there's an opportunity for some other people to do this. But uh, I'm, I'm vacuuming the church and, and, uh, and cleaning and stuff, which, I, again, I don't mind doing it. I used to do it at Rock Church, and it was 600 chairs, 10,000 square feet. There's 180 chairs here and 4,000 square feet. So it's less than half of what I used to do. And I used to wear one of them backpack vacuums. You ever, I would love to have one of those. You can do the chairs and everything with them. But anyway, um, so it would be great if we had somebody that said, you know, I would like to do that. I'm retired. I can come in. Uh, on a Friday. If, if that's the case, you can see uh, uh, Johnny and Grizel oversee that. Sometimes, a lot of times, it's just them two on the week that it's there, and they're here by themselves cleaning the whole church. So it's, it's a big deal. And uh, how many of you like a clean church? When you come in, the bathrooms are clean, the floors are clean, the, you know, everything's right. If you find, if you find any uh, stuff on the carpet on the floor in front of you, it's because it wasn't my week to vacuum. So... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I came in the vacuum, and you were already three-quarters of the way through. So that happened to anybody else? Your wife asks you to do something, and if you don't do it right away, then they do it? Am I the only one? Okay. All right. Thank you. I appreciate that. Be devoted, number four, like family. This is called kinship. Romans 12.10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. In 1 John 3.16, last verse. This is how we know what love is. This is how we know. Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Let's stand to our feet this morning. The question remains, are we part of the crew? Or are we part of the crowd? To be part of the crew, we need to unify. We need to be in unity. We don't come in as part of the crew with our own agenda and our own purposes and our own vision and our own thing and try to make the, the, the captain of the boat do what you want them to do. You catch the vision and you help promote that. A little bit about myself. That was my calling for many, many years. Uh, 1991, I became a children's pastor and a support for uh, ministries, different churches. I was in a Rama church in uh, Miami for many years before going to Rama, and uh, uh, my wife and I worked in the children's ministry there, and and then came here to Daytona. Worked in the children's ministry, became an associate pastor at the church, and I was so happy and I was so fulfilled in serving the church and helping the pastor fulfill the vision. And I always said to myself, Lord, I'm a good number two guy. That's what I want to do. I want to support the church, come in behind my pastor or next to my pastor and help him fulfill what, they, what God has called him to do. I can do that. And I'm good at it. I was. I was I'm not bragging. I was good at it. You can ask Pastor Fred. I was good at it. I had no problem doing that. When the Lord said, you're going to plant the church, I said, no. Mm -mm. I don't want to do that. I'm in my 40s. Why didn't you ask me when I was in my 20s? I was on fire, man. I was like, woo. And the Holy Spirit so gently said, it took me this long to get you ready. Right? It took me this long to get you ready. And I understand that now. when I, Because children's ministry, kids are awesome. Their parents, not so much. <laughs> it's hard. When you're set in your ways and you're right but when you come in and you say look I'm here 
then let's, let's do what we're called to do. We are a, a non-denominational church that's called to reach its community, to reach different parts of the world. We are mission-minded, right? If you can't get on board with that, we'll find you a place. But if you can, we got to unify together. Even if you don't, it's not uniformity, but even if you don't agree. You know how many times Pastor Fred asked me to do something and I was like, hey, I don't necessarily agree that that should be handled that way, but because you said, just like the crew said, right? Because you said. 40-something years in ministry, how am I going to question what he's asking me to do? I had very little years in, in that kind of ministry to adults. I did exactly as he told me, and it always worked out. Sometimes I didn't want it to work out just so I could be right. But it always worked out. Always. So I want to end with reading this here, our vision. We have our vision banners here. And when the Lord asked us to plant a church, I said, I need scripture. I need scripture. I'm a scripture guy. I need you to not just talk to me. I need you to back it up with scripture. And he gave us Genesis 28, verses 3 and 4. And this is how we started with eight people in 2012. Genesis 28, verses 3 and 4. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of peoples. <laughs> May he give you and your descendants the blessing given to Abraham so that you may take possession of the land where you now reside as a foreigner, the land God gave to Abraham. He placed us right here in this place. He placed us right here. When the Lord said plant a church, we were like, we were up in Castleberry. We had an opportunity to take over. a. a it was a home that had been turned into a church. And it had everything, it had really nice Bose sound system. They were going to leave it. I mean, it was, I was like, this is it, man. Look at this. This is awesome. And they were going to let us use it for free. And we're like, we're going to be near Orlando. We speak English, Spanish, and Portuguese. We'll be able to reach out to the Spanish, to the Brazilians that are. There's a lot of Brazilians up there. And, and we're like, oh, man, well, this will be awesome. We had our own plan in mind. And the Lord kept saying, nope, nope. And then my wife read the scripture. So that you may take possession of the land. I was like, babe, that's not how you say it. You say the land. That's what I said, the land. I said the land. Did you hear me say the land? And then I argued. I argued with God. I said, Lord, there's a, there's a church on every corner in the land. What am I going to do in the land? I don't want, no, I don't want to do that. And it kept coming around and coming around and coming around. And then we planted. That's where we started in the land, three miles from here. You know who? how we grew our church back then college and career age because that's our kids were that age and we grew the church by hurt people people who were hurt by the church they started coming and they started saying it, there's something different here I said well I don't want to sound like you know when they say different it kind of sounds a little you know you don't want to sound like you're, you're the only one doing something but we loved on them and every time they told me a story about what happened in their church or how their pastor treated them or, you know, always one side of the story, I would love on them. I would say, I'm so sorry. Why are you apologizing? Because I'm a pastor. And I apologize on behalf of my friend, my brother. Your brother, but he did this. He's still my brother. I still love him. For all I know, he's still called to do what he's been called to do. And healing began to happen in these people's lives. Some of those people are still with us today. Some of those people have planted and gone and, and now they're in other churches when they said they would never set their foot in a church again. That's a ministry. Lord, I pray right now, Father, in Jesus' name, for a commitment to be part of the crew, for a commitment be part of the vision of new life, Lord. Committing to unity. Lord, as we become one, the world will know 
that we are his disciples. The world will know that you love them because we are one. They will be attracted to the body. Thank you, Lord, for unity in the body, not just here at New Life, Lord. I pray for that to happen across all the churches, every denomination that believes Jesus Christ as the Son of God, Emmanuel, died on a cross, resurrected three days later, part of the Trinity, born of a virgin, the foundational truths of the church. Unify us, Lord, in what we have in common. I thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for how you're molding the body of Christ today for this end time harvest. Lord, thank you. Use us. Here we are. Use us for this harvest, Lord, as we come together in unity. In the powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we all said, amen, amen. Our married group at uh, Palitas today. Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church, you will never be the same.